All right, so we're talking about protecting innocence. Uh, it's, it's our last Sunday of the series. Um, I think it's week four of the series, and you know, the entire focus has been, you know, how do we protect our children? You know, um, when you watch the news, who here watches the news? I will pray for every one of you, right? I mean, it's terrible. I mean, right? I mean, like, is anyone else watching the news? I mean, I have my news app, which is what I use, okay? And, and so, like, whenever news happens, you know, anywhere in the world, I get my little, you know, little buzz, and I read it. And it's terrible. I mean, like, you read the news, and, like, you walk away going, my kids are going to grow up in a world where this is normal. Stabbings and shootings, suicide bombings, uh, you know, parents killing their kids. I mean, I mean, if you guys seen the news this week, okay, I'm just going to say, if you didn't, I won't tell you because it's going to terrify you, okay? But just, I mean, the, the worst, most awful, I mean, just darkness spreading on the earth. And you don't have to be a Christian or uh, be spiritual to acknowledge when things are wrong, when things are just not right. And there's something not right about the amount of violence and bloodshed and hatred and just, just evil that seems to be everywhere around us. Now, at the same time as we talk about that as Christians, you know, we understand that the hope of the world is Jesus Christ and Jesus manifesting himself through the body of Christ, the church. So we know that if the world's going to change, it's going to be the God moving through who? You. You. It, 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 it's easier to say us, right? Because like when you say us, you can assume it's, it's, it's us, right? Yeah, it's a shared burden. We're all going to carry it. No, it's you, right? And so what happens with us is one of the, the, the primary places that we have the ability to change this world is in our children. I mean, sure, I know it sounds trite. Change the world with your kiddo, right? Yeah, God, I understand. But this truly is one of the places that we have the ability to make an impact. You know, to change culture, to change our cities, to change our world, it starts with our children. I mean, what kind of children are we raising? Like, what are our kids going to bring into this world? Are, are we raising kids who, who are going to bring violence and shoot people, blow things up, steal? I mean, whatever. Or, or are we, you know, raising lambs, if you would, you know, children who are terrified and scared? And, or are we raising protectors? People who are going to shine light on injustice, people who are going to lay their lives down to protect, to change this world, to bring light, and to bring hope into this world. I mean, it's really a challenging, kind of a scary thing, because the truth is this. There will be a time when you cannot be with your children, period. Whether it's at school, college, when they graduate college, they get married, whatever it is, a point comes where there is a disconnect between your ability to shield them, to protect them, to keep them from danger. And the question is, what's going to happen when that time comes? And I think the scariest part is this, you know, for parents in this room, when you realize that that comes much earlier than you think it does. Much earlier than you think it does. There are moments, I mean, my children are five and about three and three weeks. <laughs> and, you know, uh, even with them, you know, it, the moment I let them go into the, the nursery, here at, kids, you know, here at the church, which it's good, I promise, it's safe and all that good stuff. Um, you know, if I choose to take my kids to preschool, if I choose to go on a date, you know, and, and like I leave the kids at home, I mean, you know, these are choices we got to make. And, you know, there, there are these moments that come so quick and so hard, what's going to happen to these kids? And uh, as a youth pastor, as a pastor, you know, I can tell you that most of all the harm that we have to deal with in counseling and prayer ministry at least 90% of this, this wounds in people's lives, it all comes back to their childhood. 
the places when they were scarred and wounded and hurt, the places where they developed trust issues, the places where, where they lost the ability to receive or to share love, the places where these boys you know, lost the ability to feel emotions, where, you know, where they were taught that you know, to cry or blah, 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 you know, is not being a man. I mean, all these wounds have taken place early in life. And it's these wounds, it's, these, it's, it's, it's our children who experienced abuse or harm or neglect as children, and it's what scarred them and it's wounded them and it's what's caused them to grow up to become the adults they are today. You are partially the way you are because of your childhood. Now, there's still choices you make, there's still the grace of God, there's still positive influences in your life, but you were directly affected by your parents, good or bad. They, they affected you. They, they formed your view and understanding of the world. They formed and, 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 and instilled in you an understanding of God. Is God real? Is God not real? Is God loving? Is He judgmental? Is He scary? Am I to fear God? Am I to, to seek God? Does God care? Is God near? Is God far? Your parents instilled the, the first seeds of your understanding of who God is. Your parents instilled the first seeds of what the world is. Is the world a beautiful place full of opportunity and creativity and goodness and and potential? Or did did your parents instill fear and darkness? This world is full of pain and bad things happen, kid. Get ready for it. Crap happens. Come on, wake up, everybody. (laughs) What kind of parents did you have? You know, what, what I was able to enjoy... Well, I wouldn't say enjoy. What I was able to receive from my parents was the truth that crap happens. The world is full of pain and darkness and loss, but I got to go through that and watch how they went through something with God. Yes, crap happens. Yes, there's darkness. Yes, there's pain and there's evil and there's things that we have to be aware of, but you're not alone, son. That's powerful. And I'm distracted by my three-week-old in the back row. I just want to go over there and hold her. I'd much rather be in your seat than up here today. I was tempted to, like, wrap her, you know, like, have her here. But I was like, I was like with her personality, that wouldn't work. She'd be, like, hollering at me the whole time or snoring really loud, which she does that, by the way. Pretty awesome. All right. We've laid the background enough. Let's go ahead and jump into it. You know, we're going to seal this. We're talking about the priority that our kids have to be. We can talk about prayer, we can talk about teaching our kids about the world, we can talk about, you know, the importance of learning to protect our kids from us, we can talk about all these great things. If our children are not a priority, none of that matters. It doesn't matter. And so, if you have your your Bibles, go to 1 Timothy 3, verse 1. What we're going to do here is read the Message Bible. The context here is the Apostle Paul, is, is, is he's laying down a pattern for how, uh, how Timothy should pick out leaders in the church, uh, how he should find those who should be elders and the ones who are going to teach and kind of uh, you know, bear maturity in the body of Christ. Here's what he says. So if anyone wants to provide leadership in the church, good, but there are preconditions. A leader must be well thought of, committed to his wife, cool and collected, accessible, hospitable. He must know what he's talking about, not be over-fond of wine. So he can't be fond of wine, apparently. We'll see. Um, just not over-fond of wine. Come on, guys. Not pushy, but gentle. Not thin-skinned. Not money-hungry. Here, here we go. Focus on this part. 
He must handle his own affairs well, attentive to his own children and having their respect. For someone is, is unable to handle his own affairs, how can he take care of the church of God? Now, um, the Message Bible does such a great job with this passage. He must be someone who is attentive to his children. I just love that. My goodness. Attentive to his own children, having their respect. And if you notice, what actually um, comes before the attentive to his children is he must be devoted to his, his wife. Now, again, the context here is of men, but we believe this applies to men and women. The idea is that for us to be walking in maturity as Christians, something has to come first. Before I am walking in maturity as a Christian, what, what I must be doing is be fully devoted to my spouse and fully devoted to my children. Meaning, before it's, it's important for me to serve the church, I have to be serving and caring for my family first. If I am not taking care of my family, that means I am not spiritually mature. These are qualifications for someone who's spiritually mature enough to be a leader. And to be a leader means to be an example. Not to be perfect, but to allow people to say, this is what it looks like to follow Jesus as we're imperfect, but we're striving. And what I love about this, for you to, to attain maturity as a follower of Jesus, you must put your family first. Now, your family does not supersede Christ. It goes Jesus, family, everything else. If you notice, I didn't put job. And so what happens here with us, as we're talking about how we protect our our children, the first thing that we have to realize is this. If our children are not a priority, our children are not safe. If your children are not your priority, and I'm speaking to you, meaning your children cannot only be your spouse's priority. If your children are not your priority, they are not safe today. Now, if you guys are taking notes, here's the time to get out the notebook. Here we go. Now, the first step for us to, to make our kids a priority, the first step for us to begin to protect our children is this, again, we have to make them a priority. And what this looks like is this, the first step to making our kids a priority is we have to look for something to replace. The problem with priorities is this, not everything can be a priority. Does that make sense? I can say, oh, I love this, and I love that, and you know what? My job is a priority, my wife's a priority, my kids are a priority, my church is a priority, my hobby's a priority, but what happens? If everything, if everything is a priority, then what? Nothing is a priority. The problem with priorities, the, the problem with, if you have a picture, if you would, picture a top shelf almost, it's almost like having trophies or something. The problem is not everything fits on the shelf. I have to make a choice. What matters most in my life? And the problem for most of us is because we don't understand what it means to be a parent, we think other things are supposed to go on the shelf. Well, to be a good parent, it's all about providing finances. So I have to be, I have to put my job first, right? So I have to put my work up here, right? Well, to be a good parent, I have to be happy, right? So I have to put my hobbies up here because dad needs time on the golf course, right? He needs time to go fishing, which I guarantee half our church is fishing right now, right? Bunch of sinners. We're going to stalk them on Facebook. That's what we're going to do. 
When we leave here, I want you to find all your friends who go to church here on Facebook. There's probably about 200 of us missing. Find them on Facebook, and you send them mean messages. No, I'm kidding. Please don't do that. It would be terrible. Here's what happens. Because not everything can be a priority, something has to be replaced on our shelf. If your children are not your priority, and again, I'm not talking about, you know, it's, it's a good thing if your children are your spouse's priority, your husband or your wife. It's a great thing if, if, if they are focused on your children, but that is not enough. Your children have parents, not a parent. And I just want to say, if you are a parent, if you are parenting alone, we just want to pray extra grace on you because it's, it's not meant to be done by one person. You're carrying a load that was never meant for you to carry, by, to carry by yourself. And I want to say this as honest as I can. If you're doing that and you need help in any way, please find a leader and tell us. Obviously, we can't do everything, but we need to be able to know what you need so we can be there to help you. Moving on. And so what's going on here is the first step for us to make our kids a priority is you have to find what are you going to, to replace. I know it's tempting to move on in my notes. I don't want to move on, though. What in your life needs to be replaced with your kids? There it is. Is it your job? Is it your hobby? What is it? I tell you what, Jesus has to be on the shelf. Your personal walk with God must be on the shelf or else everything else will suffer. Your spouse must be on the shelf. Now, this is much harder for wives. Let's just be honest. If you are a, a woman, you are geared to care for your children. It comes more naturally to you most of the time. You will tend to take care of your children before you take care of your spouse. Everyone's like, we're not talking about marriage today, guys. Let's just move back. Men will tend to focus on providing before, before they focus on parenting. Providing is not parenting. So you better have Jesus on your shelf, your spouse on your shelf, and your children on your shelf. And then we're going to go down to the next row. If that's not the order in your life, things are not healthy, and it's only a matter of time before someone in your house suffers for it. If that's not the order of your life, your marriage will suffer, and your children will suffer, and ultimately, it's going to be your fault. Let's just be honest today, right? I mean, it's your fault. Okay, let's move on. About to shrink an already small service on July 4th on a rainy day, right? It's a bad idea. I don't know what I'm doing today. Here we go. Second thing we have to do to make a priority um, of our children, we have to raise the bar. Okay, we have to understand that the bar that culture has set for what parenting is is not the bar that God has set for you. God expects more out of you as a parent than culture does. Okay, last week I uh, went to Deuteronomy, went to Colossians, went to um, 1 Corinthians. And the ultimate standard of what God is calling you to do, yes, he's calling you to provide for them. He's calling you, you know, to, to put shelter over them. But let me tell you what God's really calling you to do. He is calling you to set forth an example of godliness in your home. And that's what he's holding you accountable for. If you don't know that, go back to last week. Okay, that's, that's what God will hold you accountable for as a parent. You are being held accountable to live and to model godliness, which means having right priorities. Jesus first, then my spouse, and then my children. And it cannot be any other order. Or else I'll be held, held accountable to God. The third step to make our kids a priority 
is with the Lord to model God. It's a big deal. It's, it's not a simple thing. And uh, In my notes, it says you play the biggest role in teaching them who God is and what He's like. A healthy relationship with you prepares them for a healthy relationship with God. The inverse is still true. An unhealthy relationship with you is going to impair a healthy relationship with God. So many times we have people who had these broken relationships with their parents. And it is a direct effect to their ability to, to trust God, to communicate to God, to, to, to believe God's even real. When they had an absentee father or a father who abused them, these are monster hurdles for someone trying to approach this father God who loves them. And we have these songs about, you know, the embrace of God, whatever, and, and they're just cringing in their skin because of their parents. It's our job to, to show them what love is. It's our job to show them what a safe relationship is. It's our job to show them it's safe to trust. It's our job to show them that there are people in, in, in authority who are put here to take care of you, not people put here in authority to abuse you. And that comes from us. If you're a grandparent, an aunt, an uncle, it's the same thing for you. And in this, in, in this church family, it's our job to model that for all the children here. For all the leaders here in the church, uh, we have core meetings um, over at, at our really tiny house, and it's absolutely nuts because we have kids everywhere. And sometimes I want to smack the other people's kids. <laughs> Amen? Come on, be honest. But it's my job, it's, it's Pastor Zach's job, it's Pastor Larry's job, it's, uh, Pastor Jay, it's, it, it's, it's all of our jobs in this little, you know, spiritual family, all of us, even the ones who aren't, you know, my biological kids, it's my job to model safety and love, even when I don't want to. Did you just pee on my carpet? You know, it's like, anyway, all right, you got it. All right, here we go. And so the first thing we have to do to protect our children, we have to make them a priority. But the second thing we have to do is we have to be intentional. Meaning, everything we do with them has to be on purpose. Um, the worst approach to anything is just assuming it's going to happen. It's just, oh, yeah, you know what, my kids, I love my kids, you know, you know. Oh, man, I'm really trying to make things better there. What are you doing? Oh, you know, just, I, I don't know. <laughs> I want to. Things change when, when we make different choices. For our children to have the relationships with God that they need, for our children to have the safety that they need, we must be intentional. I mean, everything we do has to be on purpose, focused, intentional, planned out. And so, so for us to be intentional, it takes us communicating with our spouses. Parenting and protection are found in unity. If we are not communicating and in unity with our spouse, our children are not safe. I see this all the time in households. I see this to where one parent is taking the responsibility for the kids, and the other one kind of gets a free pass to kind of do whatever they want to do. It's this idea that, you know what, you know, it's your job to take care of the kids, it's my job to take care of the checkbook. If we've learned anything in this country in the last 70 years, we've seen what happens to, to a generation when there's only one parent involved. We've seen what happens to these children whenever they only have one parent who's providing the protection, the training, the nurturing. Our children need us both. And you can even have 
two parents who love their kids and who are devoted, but their marriage is broken. And because of that brokenness in their marriage, it seeps into the children. It will affect your children. It will. That's why you must have Jesus to fix you, by the way, because you need fixing. I need fixing, right? And, and then we need our spouses because we've got to fix our marriages every single week, by the way, because it breaks all the time. And if you're not laughing, we need to get you in counseling right now because it's true. You need to be taking care of your walk with Jesus, taking care of your spouse, and now you're ready to take care of your children. If you're not doing those things, guess who's going to suffer? Your kids. And grandparents, your grandkids pick it up around you too. Just leave it at that. It's important for, it's important for us to plan. And it, it sounds very unspiritual to understand that. But it's important for you and your spouse to, to study and to pray over what, we, what choices we need to make to keep our kids safe. I know this sounds like crunchy is the word, you know, like a hippie, you know, like if you're hippie, you eat granola crunchy. Does that make sense? It's crunchy parenting, but okay. All right, anyways. Oh, boy. We'll call it spiritual parenting. Okay. Um, it's important for you guys to be in prayer and to be studying about all these little, you know, small choices you make. Who babysits our children? That is not a little decision. I mean, we're lucky to have some slaves, you know, here. My, our in-laws and my parents, of course. I mean, like, you know, they don't have a choice. You will love our kids and you will babysit our kids. Or else we will guilt you into it. Because Jesus said so. Okay. Uh, no. Mm. I mean, but if we didn't have them, I don't even know what we would do, to be honest with you. I mean, you know, I mean, if you have to interview people, if you have to grill people, if you have to fast and pray over who's going to watch, I mean, do it. Take it seriously. The, the people that you're going to leave alone with your children, that is a serious decision to be made. When you, when you have to make a decision on, like, what preschool to go to. We drive all the way to Fort Smith to this, this older church. We go, and, I mean, like, the daycare, it doesn't look nice. Like, like that bothers me. I'm just being honest. Okay? It's not the nicest look. It's not very new. Everything's old. I'm not comfortable paying them all this money. And they can't even, like, you know, paint the walls. Anyway. But we take our kids there because after prayer and fasting, we felt it was the place they needed to go. We trust the people who work there. We know all their names and their numbers, you know. And, and so like, that's the place that we take our kids. And it's a hassle and, you know, it's a pain in the butt. And I'm sure there's some great places here in Alma, but that's the place that we prayed about and we're in agreement to take our kids there because it matters. When you go to a church, if you have kids, it's an important decision to trust the people who are back there in the nursery and the kids' church and in the youth area. It matters. You know, uh, I did not used to think it was a big deal because I didn't have kids. <laughs> and, uh, you know, I, I used to hate, like, the super churches. I couldn't stand them. Oh, that's all garbage. The moment that we had kids, I was like, let's go to that big church because, like, they've got, you know, security. They've got the kids with the tags. Like, dude, you know, they got the background checks at our church at the time. We were just like, hey, Bob, do you want to go back there? And, like, you know, it's anybody. Hey, you, you want to go watch kids? Sure. Oh, Lord have mercy, I know. One of the first things that we did here at Grace is we got the nursery lined out, and then we got the kids' church lined out, and then we can focus on you guys. Yeah, we're still trying to get you lined out, right? 
anyways. Um, you know, once you guys have, have spent that time in prayer and study and, and fasting, once you guys are unified, it's important to educate your kids, man. It's, it's important for your children to know who, let's just be blown about, who's allowed to touch your privates? Who is it? <clears throat> What's very scary was uh, the first year that we moved here, we did all the, the research on security in the nursery, and the numbers are terrifying when it comes to sexual abuse. There are, there are two places where I think it was over 70% of uh, sexual abuse takes place in two places. One, in the home with family members, aunts, uncles, grandparents. In the second place, church. If you don't believe in evil or in Satan or in any that kind of stuff, you think about this. What kind of a strategic, evil, perverted, demented strategy is that? To take away all places of safety for a child. Your home is not safe anymore. Your, your, your church, your spiritual family is not a place of safety anymore. It's an intentional attack of Satan on the church, on our children. These are the reasons that this is important for us to put time into, to be intentional about. It's important for us, you know, to train our kids. You know, with my kids, I told them, if any of these people, I mean, here's who is, who, you know, here's who, here is who is allowed to do what, and if anyone does anything else, you run to me that moment, and I will take care of them. Anybody. Here's the last thing about it. It's important for you guys in all this stuff, it's important to be bold and to not be ashamed. When you're parenting, there are so many different opinions of people. Your friends got opinions. You know, your, your parents got opinions, right? Your family's got opinions. You know, your, uh, your pastor's got opinions, right? Everyone has an opinion about the way that you should be raising your children. And sometimes it, there's pressure for us, you know, to not or to back down, if you would, on decisions and things that we want to do. But I'm telling you today, do not let pressure from any other source make you change your mind on something you got from God to protect your kids. You know, um, if you're not comfortable allowing your kids to sleep over at other people's houses, don't let anyone make you bad, you know, feel guilty for it. Just tell them, I don't care what you think. It's not about you. Grow up. It's about my kids, and I'm sorry, I don't trust them at your house. <laughs> Find a better way to say it, you know, but uh, goodness gracious. I mean, but seriously, you know, again, find ways, you know, to, to be bold and, you know, to not back down. All right, if you guys have your Bibles, go to Matthew 6, verse, uh, let's see where to start. Let's go to verse 31. Um, the whole context of this, uh, where Jesus is talking about, um, you know, can't have two masters, and he talks about money, and, and basically the whole context is it's impossible for us to follow the leading of Jesus if we are being distracted or being pulled away by anything else. And so he starts talking about the worries of this world, the cares of this world, and, and, and really he's talking about, you know, like the needs for money, the needs for clothing, the needs for housing and for food. And so verse 31, he says this. Do not worry then, saying, what will we eat 
what will we drink? What will we uh, have for clothes? For the Gentiles eagerly seek all these things. For your heavenly Father knows that you need all these things. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. So do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will care for itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. Let me paraphrase that for you. It's crucial for us to live in the moment, okay, to be present. Um, what this means a little bit is, I'm not sure if you guys ever, you know, ever had to deal with, with fear or like worrying, you know, like when you get, when there's something at work that's pressing on you, when you guys need, you know, so much money by a certain date, whatever, when there's anything that is a care or like a worry of this world, it begins to consume your thoughts. And when it consumes your thoughts, it begins to consume your emotions. When it consumes your emotions, it begins to affect you physically, okay? I mean, there's been times where I've been so consumed with a problem or an obstacle or a goal where it's made me physically ill. It just, worry just begins to eat away at us. And the one thing that we see here in the Scriptures is that following Jesus is a moment-by-moment, day-by-day process. We have to learn to, to push everything aside and just be fixated on Jesus no matter what's taking place around us. And the way that, that this kind of correlates to parenting, one of the biggest mistakes that almost every one of us in this room make is not being fully present for our children. Here's the first one. We do have to be physically present, right? I mean, if you want to parent your child, you know, through FaceTime and text messages, go for it, all right? But I don't think it's the best way to go. Being physically present is crucial for us to be good, healthy parents, Okay. And so, uh, with to be available to our children. Parenting requires nearness. We have to show up, make time, and we cannot allow anything to make us absentee parents. Now, there are parents in this room who love their kids and, are, and who are distant because of a job. I'm not telling you that you're a bad parent because of your job. Here's what I'm telling you. You need to go to God, get on your face, and pray for change in your work. Pray that you would make the same money or more and that you wouldn't have to be away from your family. Do it. And then go ask for it, by the way. Be bold. Pray about it, and you wait until you're in unity with your spouse, and then, because again, there's a time where you have to act in faith, and you go to that person and say, hey, I'm so appreciative of, of this job. I'm appreciative of everything you do for me, but here's what I need. I need to be here for my kids. My kids need me. And if I need to go find another job, I will. Now, I know that's, okay, Everyone's like, easy for you to say, you know, <laughs> who's your boss, right? <laughs> yeah. Here's the thing. If God is calling us to put him first, to, to put our, our spouses first, and then to put our children ahead of everything else, he will provide. If you need to read that, read chapter 6 in Matthew, we just read it. He will provide every single need as you seek the kingdom, meaning as you obey the king of the kingdom. If you are obeying Jesus, he will provide for you. And if your heart is to be there for your children, do you really think God's not going to come through for you? And you know what? Here's the truth. You might lose that job and be terrified for a week or a month, but God will come through for you. And your family, and your life, and your health, and everything will be better for it. But you have to make a stand. For things to change in your, in your children's future, you must make different choices. It's that simple. 
And as parents, that responsibility is on you. If you do not make these choices to take care of your family, the family you have been entrusted with from God, you will be held accountable for it. And it's important for us to be physically present. But the next thing is we have to learn to be mentally present. Okay, guys. Um, who is really bad about listening to their kids? Or their spouse, for that reason? Again, if you don't, if you don't have kids, or you used to have kids, you have a spouse. Okay, here's what I'm talking about. They're talking to you, and they say, did you hear what I said? And what do you say? And then they say, what did I say? You know, you said... <laughs> Mentally present, meaning you're attentive, you're aware, you're listening. You know, um, depending on the makeup of your children, my oldest son, one of his primary ways that he receives love is by me listening to him. And I hate that. Here's why. When I'm correcting my child, I'm going to interrupt him on purpose. No, you listen to me. (laughs) I am the father, right? But his little heart breaks if I don't let him finish the sentence. It's the craziest thing. I'm like, you know, if I don't allow him to share his heart, now I can, you know, hear him out and say, nope, not going to happen. But if I don't listen to him, his little heart just breaks. And if you're married, by the way, especially men, this is a big deal. Being mentally present, paying attention, listening, hearing. It's not giving in or saying yes to everything. It's just being aware to where you are mentally here. You're not thinking about work. You're not thinking about the ball game. You're not thinking about blah, 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 blah. You are present and attentive, and you're available that way. And the same thing goes emotionally. We have to be emotionally present. And, of course, this is harder for us men, okay? We have to learn to be sensitive to our children. There's that S word. The S word that all men don't like, right? Sensitive. I'm not saying to go get a mani-pedi, okay, like with your kids, and I'm not what I'm saying, all right? We have to learn to connect with our kids, to let our walls down, uh, to be present only physically, to be present only in our body, is to be absent. I have really had to learn this one. Um, you know, it's so easy for me to kind of, you know, since here at the church, you know, I mean, yeah, I, I kind of now get to set, you know, my hours. If I want to go home, I can go home, you know, I mean, there's not anyone to yell at me. What's hard, though, is that the hardest person, you know, to get past is myself. I'm a workaholic. I would much rather be here just working 24-7. So what's hard is now I can physically go be home. That's not the hard thing anymore. What's hard is to physically be home and be home every other way. Because while I might physically be there, my mind and my emotions are tied up with something else. And uh, it's, 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 it's so terrible. I, it hit me about six months ago. I was at home, you know, like we're at the house. I, here's Nisa and, and the boys. And, you know, I'm just completely zoned out, you know. I'm thinking about some counseling session or some, something we're doing for the church. I'm just torn up about it, you know. And so mentally and emotionally, I'm just gone. And, I, you know, I'm near the couch. And I come to and I realize my son is in my face slapping me going, Daddy, 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 Daddy. <laughs> and my younger son is hanging from my neck going, Dad, Dad. And they are hanging from me. I don't know how long this went on, by the way. I don't want to know, to be, to be frank with you. And my children are physically trying to, like, assault me to wake me up. Pay attention. And my son Jude goes, pay attention. <laughs> Dad, you're not looking at me. And, it, and, of course, in that moment, the Holy Spirit spoke to me. And it's just like, 
what in the world are wrong with me? Yes, physically, I'm home, but I'm absent. I'm somewhere else. Our children need more than just to be provided for. Our children need more than just for us to come sit, you know, uh, in the same room as them. Our children need us to be there for them. One of the best things that we can do to protect our children is just to foster relationship with them. Just to be there with them. And here's the last thing, you know, and this is hard for some of us. It's important for us to be spiritually present. You know, uh, especially if you have a hard job that you work, when you come home, I mean, you're just spent. You know, you don't have a lot left. But what happens here is these are the places where we have to be intentional. We have to find a way to be present. You know, if, if it's important for you to, when you come home after a hard day, if, if you need five minutes in the truck to gather yourself, if you, if you need to buy coffee on the way home, if you need to, you know, jog a mile before you get home, what, whatever you have to do to slap yourself to be present for your, for your spouse and for your children, do that. Because the moment that you come home, for you, it's a time to let down. But your spouse and your kids have been waiting for that moment for a very long time. And what happens is, Here's the scary part. What happens is, and it happens for your spouse first, and then it happens for your children. When you are present, when you come home, if you're only there physically, they begin, their expectations begin to drop. The saddest thing is when you're physically present and your spouse already knows that you're absent. When your spouse expects you to be absent. When your children are so used to you being, you know, absent that they expect you to be absent. To where when you come home, your spouse and your kids aren't trying to fight for your attention. Because they already know, oh, you know, mom or dad, whenever they come home, you know, they're just going to, you know, take a nap. Or they're going to, you know, to veg out on the TV or blah, 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 blah. When your kids and your spouse know that, that's sad. That's when things have to, I mean, we have to turn these things around. Amen? Would you guys stay with me as we close this morning? Now, for us to change this, for us to, you know, to, you know, to, to change this tide, it, it does take you making choices. It, makes, it takes you having to be intentional and say, I see this, I'm willing, this, this, this is so terrible, this is so wrong, this bothers me so much, I'm going to change my lifestyle because of this. I'm going to pray about my job, I'm going to pray about my habits, I'm going to find a way to, to pull myself and be present. But the other part of this is when you commit, when you choose to begin to obey the Word of God, that's when God shows up to do what you can't do. That's that word we call grace shows up. You don't have the ability to be the perfect, you know, father or mother. You don't have the ability to be the perfect spouse. What you have the ability to do is to choose to put them first. If you would just make the choice to put them first and then ask for God's help, that's whenever God begins to show up and do for you in your marriage and with your children what you cannot do on your own. And so this morning, uh, I just want to bring the prayer team up. I don't even know if the prayer team's here or, or, you know, at the lake. I'm sure they are, right? (laughs) Almost everyone's at the lake. That's okay. God, we're here for you and we love you. (laughs) Even if they don't. Here's the thing. Um, would you all just kind of, you know, bow your heads, close your eyes. The whole thing we do to kind of make comfortable. 